know you have come to worship the Lord today. Amen. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. I'm going to focus just on that very first part of the verse. It says, I am the Lord. I do not change. He is the God that is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. So we can trust in a God that does not change. He doesn't change his mind. He's not a God that reneges on his promises. He's a God that is steadfast, immovable, always abounding. Amen? So this morning, we want to lift up the name of our God today. Give him the glory that he deserves. Amen? Because he will do it again. If he did something wonderful in your life before, he'll do it again. When you thought that you weren't going to have the money that you needed to pay that bill, he'll do it again. Because he is the same God that helped you then, he will help you now and forevermore. So let's declare that this morning. Do it again. Put your hands together. the blind man see, make the lame man walk again, you cause the dead to rise, and that's why we dance in liberty, and we're doing it all.
Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is such an awesome God. Never changing. Always looking out for his own. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord this morning. We just want to come before him and give him glory and honor today. He's worthy of it all. any sin, address any issues, lay them at his feet. Glory to his name.
have the elements. If we don't have the elements, let us know. Amen. The Bible teaches us, so there's a psalm that says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So we get to praise the Lord in our worship and your broken body that you gave for us. Let us break and eat. On the same night, he said he took the cup and he blessed the cup. Father, we bless this cup tonight. We bless it as it represents your blood shed for us on Calvary's cross as it represents the new covenant God, that we have received. And so tonight, Father, we drink this drink, this cup, in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name, let us drink. Gracious Father, what we've done, we've done to remember you. We thank you so much as you are the center of our life, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we remember you this day. God, that we might be blessed and that your glory might fill the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.
his name, matchless name. Death could not hold you, the veil torn before you. He silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. Yes, you have no rival, and you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. For yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Let's glorify his name this How's it going? It's so good to see each of you. We hope that you had a good restful weekend last weekend, but we are so glad to see each of you back. Shout out and hello to our Converge Nation online as well. So thank you for joining us. If it's your first time with us, thank you. Um, we are so happy that you came to stop by. Step, stop by our welcome center outside afterwards. We have a small gift for you for saying, our way of saying thank you for joining us. So uh, thank you for being here with us. Yes. Amen. Converge family, we just want to share with you some details about some of the great things that we have happening here in the weeks ahead. Weeks ahead. First up, water baptisms. Our, yes, our next water baptism will be Saturday, September 11th at 5 p.m. And this is our first water baptism experience post-pandemic. So if you've made, I know, isn't that amazing? If you've made a recent decision to follow Jesus and want to participate in this deeply symbolic and meaningful act, please email us at admin at weareconverge.com and we will get all of the pertinent details to you. Awesome, thank you for that, we can't, look, we can't wait. Yes. Also, if you see some cool summer merch, Converge merch floating around that people are wearing, um, we have a merch table outside, you can buy it. You can also go to store.weareconverge.com and make your purchases. We've got cups and hats and shirts, some tank top hoodie things, so we have all kinds of cool merch if you wanna get stocked up on that. Also, make sure you're following us on social media, uh, uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at We Are Converge. Like our stuff, comment, please engage. We love seeing your comments Absolutely. and um, responses and whatnot. So uh, make sure to engage with us on social media as well. And share it with your friends and family. Yes. 
All right. So we are now at the Blessed Life segment of our worship experience. And this is the part of the service where we have the opportunity to partner with God and in help support Converge in delivering the gospel, both here in person and online. So if you would like to partner with us financially, there are many ways that you can do that. First, here in person, if you need an envelope or an ink pen, we have ushers in the aisles. They can help you with that. All we ask is that you fill those envelopes out in its entirety, and then you can drop them in the receptacles on your way out at the end of the worship experience. Next, you can give safely and securely by visiting us at www.weareconverge.com forward slash give. And then last, you can text Converge Give and the dollar amount to 77977. Thank you guys so much for your generosity as you guys do help us continue to build the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to sow into your kingdom. We thank you for the ability to give, God. We pray for each seed sown now and virtually, Father God. And we pray for the families that are represented, God. We pray that we would use it to build your kingdom, to reach people, to glorify you. We love you. We thank you even for the privilege to give, God. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you guys and enjoy the rest of our worship experience. Yes.
more than you ask, think or imagine. According to his power that's working in us, more than enough. More than enough. More than you ask, more than you ask, think or imagine. Everything we need, we find in you. So tonight, Father, we ask you to invade. We ask you to fill every God-shaped void. Father, those places in our hearts, those places in our emotions, those places, God, that we've tried to fill with other things. We say, God, you come and make your home you make your abode, you make your dwelling right here in our hearts because you are Jireh and you are more than enough. Not less than enough, not just enough. You are Jireh and you are more than enough. And Lord, we will learn to be content in every circumstance because you are Jireh. And tonight, we celebrate the sufficiency of Christ. We celebrate the fact that your grace is sufficient for us in every season and in every station of life. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Are you excited to be here tonight? Yeah. We're so glad that you've joined us uh, for week five of our sermon series, Get Out. We've been having a fantastic time learning these life lessons from the book 
of Exodus. Now, let me level set expectations tonight uh, because we are a New Testament church. That means everything we study, everything we teach, everything we believe about God's word is filtered through New Testament realities, i.e. the finished work of the cross. However, that being said, there are lessons that we can learn from the canon of Scripture, both Old and New Testaments. That's why Jesus said he didn't come to do away with the law, but that through him the law would be fulfilled. And that not one word of the Scripture, both the law and the prophets, would go unfulfilled. Not one dot, not one tittle. Uh, so we've found uh, for this series our anchor text in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. This is Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, which was a very successful church. It was a growing church, an influential church that had its own set of issues. And to address these issues, uh, Paul says there are life lessons that we can learn from God's interactions uh, with the Israelites. And this is what we discovered over the last couple of weeks that what we read in the book of Exodus was written for their example, but for our admonition. And what we said last week is, uh, it's a lot cheaper, right, to learn the lesson from somebody else's mistakes. It costs you a lot less, and it doesn't hurt as much. So God in his mercy is saying through the apostle Paul, there are some lessons, there are some guardrails that have already been established in Scripture that if you heed will save you a lot of pain and trouble. One of the ways Pastor Wendy and I say it is simply this. If you don't pay the fee, you end up paying the fine. I learned that lesson the hard way, Rob. Because one day, one day, I looked down at the sticker on my car and I realized that it was going to expire the next day, the registration. And instead of making my way down to get the registration taken care of, I said, you know what? I'll just do it tomorrow. <laughs> and tomorrow turned into tomorrow. How many of you realize tomorrow never comes? Now, from what I understand, you got a little bit of a grace period, right, Tommy? They give you about five days where if you get stopped, you might get a warning. I procrastinated so long that when I finally got stopped, I got a ticket. Now, how much does it cost to get your registration renewed? 70, 80 bucks. I can guarantee you. The fine for the expired registration was so much more than the fee. And in life, if we don't intentionally and deliberately pay the fee yeah. on the front end, the fee for disobedience, we end up paying the fine for disobedience. And so Paul throws us a save and he says, listen, you don't got to go through this yourself. Look at the example of the Israelites because it was written for their example, but for our admonition meaning there are things for us to learn from them. So quick review, this is what we've learned. And, and listen, I, I love this class, right? Uh, because we're in Bible class tonight, and uh, all of y'all are my front row students. I ain't got no back of the room students. Front row. So I'm going to test your retention tonight. Come on, somebody. Y'all ready for this? Pop quiz. 
We said there were three lessons that we need to learn, right, if we're going to get out of our own way. Because the truth is, a lot of times, we blame people for where we are. I don't think anybody should give another human that much power. Because that means your freedom, your liberty, your joy rests in the power of someone else. And so we're talking about getting out. We're talking about getting out of bondage, the things that hinder us, the things that hold us back, the things that keep us from fulfilling our God-given potential. And we said, listen, let's start by looking at the man in the mirror. And we're learning how we can get out of our own way. This series has been about introspection, looking at the enemy in the me. So this is what we discovered. If we're going to get out our own way, number one, right, we have to recognize that sometimes the problem is not our potential, it's our patterns. Because our patterns have the power to sabotage our potential. We said that patterns speak to what is predictable. Potential speaks to what is possible. So you can see somebody with tremendous potential. Uh, you can see that they've got a bright future. Voted most likely to succeed. Somehow, for one reason or the other, they fall short. It's not because of a lack of potential. It is because of the patterns that undermine their potential. So if, you gotta, if you're going to get out your own way, right? You have to observe the patterns. This is what we said. Observe the patterns, predict the outcome. Not rocket science. You can look at the patterns in your life. You can look at the patterns in my life. You can look at the patterns in somebody else's life, and you can predict with tremendous accuracy the outcome of their life. Unless they make a decision to change their patterns. So if we're going to get out our own way, converge, right? We observe our patterns more than potential. Number two, we said that just because it's dormant doesn't mean it's dead. There are some things, some habits, some proclivities, some patterns that have a tendency to push the snooze button. Long enough for you to get that extra five minutes in, that extra five minutes of relief, and all of a sudden, bam, oops, I did it again. Paul said, the things I ought to do, I do not. Hmm? And the things I ought not to do, these things I find myself doing. And we talked about it last week, that, that Moses was dealing with patterns at 120 that first emerged when he was 40. He had anger management issues. And his anger management issues left unchecked continued throughout his life, and ultimately he led the Israelites out of bondage for 40 years, but guess what? Didn't even make it into the promised land. His patterns sabotaged his potential. And it seemed like his problems popped up every 40 years because just because it's dormant doesn't mean you're delivered. Are y'all with me? And number three, number three, uh, we said, uh, if you're going to get out your own way, you have to be willing to confront what you hope to conquer. And we talked about that extensively last week. We're going to pick up uh, uh, with, I guess, point number four. Uh, 
And I, I kind of vacillated back and forth whether to call this get out of your own way part three or whether to call it get out your head. But I'm going to call it get out of your own head. Because sometimes the things, the thing that hinders us the most is our inner script. The stories we tell ourselves that may not necessarily be true. But because we tell ourselves this story so much, so often, it becomes our truth. And how many of you realize that your life will never rise about the, above the level of your thoughts? The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That the sum total of your life and my life is the thoughts that we entertain and act out. So if we're going to deal with these seeds of self-sabotage, we got to get out our own head. Because your life and my life will always move in the direction of our most dominant thought. Hmm? Because whatever you keep your mind on, you stay in contact with. I'm talking about patterns. And one of the patterns that will sabotage the potential in our lives is our thinking. And, and I want to talk specifically about uh, the thinking that comes with how we frame our circumstances. Not just the good, but how we frame the not-so-pleasant circumstances of our lives. That's what I want to talk to you about. Because Israel had a pattern that Paul highlights in our anchor text. And the reason I think it's important for us to examine and learn from Israel is because these are real people with real problems serving a real God with real solutions. I used to read this uh, uh, Exodus and I was like, man, these people were hard-headed. <laughs> Until I started reading the book of Exodus again with our summer Bible immersion and realized, Ray, you ain't no different. And so the Lord has been using the book of Exodus to renew my mind. And I've been getting testimonies from people who are making adjustments to their own lives because of the life lessons they are extracting from the book of Exodus. So here's Paul to the church at Corinth uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, beginning at verse 6. He says, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and they rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Here it is. What he's doing is he's giving us this short list of their patterns. The patterns that kept them from fulfilling their potential. So he talks about idolatry. He talks about sexual immorality. Oof. Number three, and this is where we're going to spend the lion's share of our time. 
Verse number nine. Nor let us tempt Christ as some also tempted him and were destroyed by serpents. Here it is. Pattern number five. Nor complain as some of them also complained <laughs> and were destroyed by the destroyer. Listen, we're going to get out of our own way by getting out of our own head. And the way we're going to get out of our own head is by reframing our circumstances. Notice what is juxtaposed side by side with idolatry and sexual immorality. Murmuring and complaining. And as a result of their murmuring and their complaining, guess what the scripture says? They were destroyed by the destroyer. Because in their murmuring and complaining, they also tested and tempted Christ. Woo! Y'all ready? Come on. We about to go in. <laughs> we about to go in. Here it is. Uh, uh, verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for what? Our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Just in case you thought you were exempt, don't get it twisted. But for the grace of God, you and I are just as susceptible as the Israelites were in the wilderness. Under the right circumstances, you and I could act and respond the way they did, but for the grace of God. So he says, I'm writing these things, or these things were written for your admonition. Are y'all ready? So here it is. Um, God will always uh, take us through a process in order to get us to the promise. Important to understand that God will always take you through a process to get you to the promise. Sometimes the way out is through. Not around. Not over. Not under. Sometimes God's way out for us is that he will bring us through the fire. That's what he said in Isaiah. He said, when you go through the fire, it will not consume you. When you go through the flood, it will not overwhelm you. So think it not strange if you find yourself going through something. Because in God's economy, there are times when God will say, you ain't going around this one, baby girl. You ain't going over it. You about to go through it. And the way through is going to be your way out. I'm trying to help you reframe what you may be experiencing right now. You see, the truth is, uh, God had to take the Israelites through some things because it took him one night to get them out of Egypt, but it took him 40 years to get Egypt out of them. And sometimes when God takes us through Huh? It's about what he has to get out of us before he can bring us into the place of promise. Mm -hmm. He said you can't bring 
your Egypt mentality into a land flowing with milk and honey. Are you with me? So he said, I got to take you through this. Because in taking you through this, I will deliver you from it. Okay, so uh, where are we? We're in verse 12. Um, I got to go fast. Um, verse 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Anybody remember what we said about that? He said, if you find yourself going through a wilderness like the, like the Israelites, if you find yourself going through a hard place, what do we say? We said it's not unique, it's universal. The test you're going through is a test that is common to man. Meaning, others have been through it, others have survived it, and guess what, baby? You go get through it too. Why? Because of the next three words, but God, I'm sorry, four words, but God is faithful. And that's one of the, the, the ploys and the tactics and the strategies of the enemy is to isolate us. Because if he can isolate us, we think we're the only one going through this and something must be wrong with me. No temptation has come upon you except that which is common to man. It's not unique. <laughs> it's universal. And then he goes on to say, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. But uh, somebody say, Lord, don't have that much confidence in me. <laughs> he will not allow you to be tempted above what you can bear, but will with the temptation, listen, also make a way of escape. Somebody say, get out. He will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So here it is. Uh, one of the lessons, one of the lessons, and we're going to lock in on this lesson today. One of the lessons that the Israelites really struggled with, uh, it was almost like a remedial class that they had to repeat over and over again, was the lesson of contentment. Hmm. The lyrics of the song says, I will be content in every circumstance. Why? Because you are Jireh, and you're more than enough. You are more than enough. Listen to me. Revelation for me this week. Revelation for me this week. The song doesn't say, Jireh, the stuff you provide is more than enough. I will be content when I have all the stuff I need and got nowhere to put it. You know one of the fastest growing businesses in America? And not just fastest growing, most profitable. I went to a storage unit in Frisco where we have our stuff. We still have some stuff there for the church before we moved <laughs> some of our stuff to McKinney. So we got stuff for the church in McKinney, <laughs> telling all my business, for the church in McKinney and in Frisco. And when I went there one time to do something, I forget what I went to do, there was a, a, a customer or a tenant who had had stuff in storage, the largest storage unit for five years. Revelation for Pastor Ray this weekend, or this week as I was studying. 
There's no way in Scripture where God being Jireh is associated just with stuff. It's Jireh. You are enough. And here's the lesson for us to learn. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting, here's the lesson for us to learn. If we're going to get out of our own head and get out of our own way, we have to choose God's presence over his provision. Listen to me. Israel's murmuring and complaining had to do with what was in God's hand, not what was in his heart. And when God brought them through the wilderness and brought them through a dry place, they immediately started murmuring and complaining. I'm going to show you five things, four or five things quickly that will keep us from falling into the same trap that the Israelites found themselves in. Because God wanted to teach them the lesson of contentment. Okay? Just stay behind me. Put it up there after I say it. Okay? So, I was like, I want to have a working definition for what contentment is. So I went to the dictionary and I found a definition, but I didn't like it. So I'm going to tell you what that dictionary definition is, right? You're laughing at me like, I didn't like it. So I came up with my own definition. So I'm going to give you what the dictionary said, and I'm going to give you my definition. Y'all ready for this? This is what dictionary said. Check it out. Uh, to be content or to have an attitude of contentment is to be satisfied with what one is or has, not wanting more or anything else. So I had a little bit of trouble with it, just a little bit, because a, a dear friend of mine, and I, I, I love this, right? Uh, he's, this is what he said. He's, he always said, if better is possible, then good is not enough. Yeah. Uh, if better is possible, if, if I can do better, if I can be better, right, then good is not enough. That means we shouldn't, here's the word, settle. So contentment, this is my definition. Y'all tell me if y'all like this. Contentment is the ability to be satisfied without settling. This is what that means. That there is this tension when we walk in contentment with being satisfied and settling. Settling means I ain't going to try, I ain't going to aspire, I ain't going to dream, this is it. The flip side of satisfaction is learning the attitude of gratitude with such things as you have yeah. in this season. Yeah. If it's manna, I'm grateful for it. But that doesn't mean I settle for it. Does that make sense? I'm not going to complain about the manna God provided because I want steak. That's why Paul said, I have, here it is, learned. Philippians chapter 4. Whatever state I am in, therein to be content. 
Meaning I learned the lesson of gratitude whether I abound or I am abased. The Israelites flunked this lesson over and over. Because every time they found themselves in a tight place, they murmured and complained and tested God. What does tested God mean? If you go back to Numbers, there's a story where they complained against God's provision. And they complained so much that God said, listen, I'm going to rain down meat from heaven, quail from heaven, and all of that. Hmm? In fact, let me not get ahead of myself. I'll come back to that story. But here it is. Let me read Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, talking about contentment, the tension of being satisfied without settling, being grateful for what I have where I am right now. Uh, This is how Paul framed it. He said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. What he was saying is, listen, the Philippian church used to partner with him financially in ministry, but now they couldn't do it anymore. But he said, man, I rejoice that y'all can do it now. You know what Paul was saying? He was saying that there were some lean seasons in his ministry, and he's thanking them that they can help him again. It goes on now in verse number 11. He said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned, here it is, the lessons of the wilderness, the lesson of contentment. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And this is where we get that verse, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know the context of that verse? Contentment. Paul is saying, I can be content in every circumstance because of my God who strengthens me, even in the lean seasons. Now, what are the lessons we can learn from the Israelites that sometimes you and I are guilty of? And as we read this, uh, I'm sure you will identify yourself somewhere in here. (laughs) So here it is. Uh, In order to understand... Uh, what uh, Paul is referencing in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, we need to understand what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 106, verses 13 through 15. So here it is. He's talking about the Israelites as they journeyed through the desert. And this is what he said. It says, they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert, and he gave them their request, but he sent leanness in their soul. Let me read it from the message paraphrase, because I think it helps us understand what the Israelites are dealing with and their response in very contemporary terms. Uh, Psalm 106, verses 13 and 15, it says... But it wasn't long before they forgot the whole thing. You know what he's talking about? If you go back to the preceding verses, he's talking about how God brought the Israelites through the Red Sea. That he parted the Red Sea for them. But you know what he said? He said it wasn't long before they forgot it. And I used to think to myself, how could these people be so ungrateful to a God who parted the Red Sea, who did so many miracles? And I thought about it long enough to recognize that I ain't no different from them. 
because I have been in the place too where the thing that was once a praise report became a prayer request. The job you prayed for and you said was a breakthrough. Six months later when you huddle up before service to pray, child, y'all pray for me in this job. I can't stand these people. No, listen now. Listen now. Listen. Right? A year ago, he was your prayer request. A year later, he put a ring on it. Praise report turned into a prayer request. How soon we forget. How soon we forget. So the Israelites had this pattern of complaining because they forgot. They were selective in what they chose to remember. And I will venture to say that most of us in this room have turned to murmuring and complaining when we allow our present circumstances to eclipse our past experiences with God. Hold up. God brought you through the red. Listen, the, Israel, the, the Egyptians were after you. You had nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. They outnumbered you. They were in chariots. And God told Moses, strike the sea with your rod and it will part. And the scripture says they walked on dry ground. And the walls of the Red Sea were congealed. They were frozen solid. They saw that with their own eyes. Got in the wilderness and their present circumstances. Hey, push the delete button on their past experiences. Where does the murmuring start? It starts the moment that you and I forget the last thing he did. That's why God would tell the Israelites, build a memorial. And they would come and stack rocks. And they would name that memorial so that whenever life got hard, they could go back to that memorial. And one of them was called Ebenezer, which means thus far, the Lord has helped us. And I wonder how many of us have Ebenezers in our lives that we can go back to when life gets hard. First thing they did, they forgot what God did. That's a message transfer. It says it wasn't long before they forgot the whole thing. Number two, and they wouldn't wait to be told what to do. The New King James says they didn't wait for God's counsel. Woo! How many of us are guilty now when life ain't working out where we feel like we got to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. If it's going to be, it's up to me. And we leave God out of the equation. We leave God out of the decision-making process. We make our plans, and then we try to force God to bless our plans. Because they forgot what God did for them at the Red Sea, the scripture says they would not wait for his counsel. Oh, man, this is too hard. I ain't going to wait around for what God got to say. I'm going to do it myself. 
I'm talking about life lessons. And how many people in this room would be honest? You ain't got to raise your hand to say that you've gotten yourself into a world of trouble. Because he didn't wait for his counsel. Because he forgot what he did. That's why Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Here it is. Lean not to your own understanding. He said, trust me. Don't forget what I did. Don't forget what I've done. Number two, don't trust your own understanding. Because your understanding is finite. It is limited. It is limited to what you have been exposed to. And how many of you realize that what you've been exposed, there's a whole lot more to this life than what you've been exposed to. In all of your ways, here it is, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. Meaning invite him into the decision-making process. And what are you going to do? He's going to direct your path. Listen, because they forgot what God had done, they didn't wait for his counsel. They took matters into their own hands. Uh, there's another great verse. It's not in my notes. But Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12, this is what it says. It says, be imitators of those who through faith and Patience, inherit the promise. Who inherits the promise? Not just the person who walks by faith, but the person who walks by faith and patience. Somebody say Abraham. Man of faith. Took him 25 years to see the fulfillment of the promise. Joseph, a dreamer, at 17, took him 13 years to see the fulfillment of the promise. David, anointed king, at 16, didn't sit on the throne until he was 30. And most of us don't wait for God's counsel because we think that it should have happened yesterday. And you've heard me say it before, the promise of God may not be immediate, but it is inevitable. It may not happen right now, but it will surely come to pass. I'm talking to somebody right now who is dealing with questions about what to do next. You may already be ahead of God. My caution to you is pump the brakes. Uh, put that car in reverse. Or not. This is what I know about our God. He's so committed to you that even when you're off track, that GPS is going to say rerouting. Rerouting. And it will continue to reroute you yeah. until you get back on track. Now, you have an option. If you don't want to be rerouted, you can turn the GPS off, which unfortunately many of us do. But God is so committed to us that if we will keep ourselves tuned into his GPS, he will give us wise counsel. Now, here's the third thing that happened. Uh, because they didn't, uh, because they forgot his works, and they uh, wouldn't listen to his counsel. Here's the third thing. <laughs> hey! The scripture says they lusted exceedingly, meaning they began to desire what they didn't have. It's called the grass is greener syndrome. 
hmm? that somehow God I don't like the life you've given me and their complaining came from that place from lusting exceedingly this is what the word lust means it, it means to desire the word translated from the Hebrew lust it means to desire it means to covet it means to wait longingly it means to wish I like this one it means to sigh it means to want it means to be greedy it means to prefer so their lives were driven by this insatiable lust I think at the beginning of the message I prayed this prayer that God would invade every God-shaped void in our lives because we try to fill those voids with other things And the only thing that can satisfy a God-shaped void is God himself. Jaira, not what he can provide, must become enough. Jaira must be enough. He must be enough. Oh, so, so, so they lusted exceedingly. I promise you I'm about to wrap up. And because they lusted exceedingly, they tested God. It means they proved God or they tempted him or they put him to the test. And they were saying like, oh, yeah, you say you God, why are we tired with this manna? We've been eating the same thing over and over, complaining against God. God said, I'm going to send you this quail. You're going to have so much meat, it's going to be coming out your teeth. But notice what, notice what Psalm 106 says. He, he gave them their request. But he sent leanness in their soul. Listen to me. Listen to me. There are many people today who have confused, who have confused stuff with God's blessing. Listen to me. God told them, I'm going to give you everything you want, but you're still going to be empty inside. He gave them what they wanted. The house, the cul-de-sac, the six-figure income. Hmm? Still didn't satisfy. Because the only thing that will ever fill a God-shaped void is God. Listen to what the word leanness in the Hebrew means. It means uh, scantness. It means a lean effort, and, and, and the effort was a, a, a unit of measure. And it's almost like you put stuff in the cup, but it's never enough. It comes up short. So you got all the stuff, but on the inside, you're still empty. That's what happened to Israel. It means almost. It means inadequate. It means limited or meager, barely amounting to as much as indicated. Barely amounting to as much as indicated. Barely amounting to as much as indicated. That's false advertising. You thought it was going to satisfy, but it fell short. So this is where I close. The reason, the reason I even landed on this message was on day 33 of our Bible immersion campaign. I started to read this account from Exodus 33. And it helped me see some things that I think 
the Lord wants to, to help us with tonight. He wants us to break the pattern of choosing his provision over his presence. Pastor Jesse, can you give me my Bible? Y'all indulge me for five minutes. He is Jaira. He's more than enough. So Exodus chapter 33, Exodus chapter 33. I'm going to read this to you because I, I, I need to read it. I need to, I need to see it. I need the word of God in front of my eyes. And I know we, we live in a tech-savvy culture and generation, but sometimes it's just good to see God's word on the page. I'm old school like that. So here it is, Exodus 33. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land to which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. Verse 2. And I will send my angel before you, and I'll drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Verse 3. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. What does what he say? He said, I'm going to go. Uh, in fact, he said, you're going to go up into the land, flow with milk and honey. You're going to defeat all your enemies. I ain't going with you, though. Why? Because you're hard-headed. Now, listen, to most, most people today, most Christians today would be satisfied with that. Yeah, I'm good. Land flow on milk and honey. Who needs God? Give me my stuff, and I'm good. God, you can stay right where you are. And, 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 and this was a turning point in their lives. Because they said when the people heard this, they mourned. Moses went before the Lord, and this is what Moses said. Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us. We ain't going to leave this place. In fact, I got ahead of myself. Let me read some more. Uh, verse 5. For the Lord has said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I, come, I could come up to you in your midst in the moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornament. God said, I don't want to talk to none of y'all. <laughs> and notice, I'm going to read something here that really blessed me. Uh, verse 12. Uh, is it verse 12? It's not verse 12. Verse 15. Verse 15, then Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from this place. For how then will it be known that your people have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate. Listen to me. So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, what's going to set us apart from everybody else? It's not the stuff. It's the fact that God is with me. That God is with us. And if we're going to get out of our own way, listen to me, if we're going to get out of our own way, we have to recognize, I'll say it again, 
we have to recognize that what we need more than anything else is the presence of God. We need the presence of God again. And listen to me, we're born again. So we know that Christ lives within us. He is Christ in us, the hope of glory. He has come to make his abode in us. Yet with our murmuring and complaining and losing sight of what God has done, the scripture talks about grieving the Holy Spirit who abides in us. The word grieve means to extinguish. And with our murmuring and our complaining and losing this sense of gratitude for what God has already done and the promise of his future, we quench what God wants to do in our lives. So here's the solution. Number one, Psalm 34, verse 7. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know what the presence of God will do? The presence of God will fix your heart. The presence of God will fix your heart. You say, how? Oh, no. Psalm 37 and 4. It says God will give you the desires of your heart. You know what that means? It doesn't mean that God will give you what you want. It means God will give you what you need. He will plant in your heart the desires you should have. He doesn't become your genie. Oh, I'm going to spend time with God and God will give me what I want. No, I spend time with God and he gives me what I need. He fixes my heart. He fixes my heart. The second thing the presence of God will do, second thing, it will fix your head. It'll fix your head. It'll fix your head. Look at Philippians chapter 4, and this is where I close. Did I say that already? This is my second and final close. Philippians chapter 4 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's what we meditate on in the presence of God. It heals and it fixes our head. And how do I know? I know because of the promise of Scripture that in His presence there is fullness, fullness of joy. So tonight, Father, we come to you just as we are. Father, thank you for giving us another lesson from the book of Exodus. That more than anything, what we need is your presence. And Father, we ask that you would make that the posture of our hearts. That God, if you don't go with us, we're not going to make a move. God, if you don't go with us, we're not going to leave this place. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that Jaira, that you would be more than enough. Not just what's in your hand, but what's in your heart. And as we find ourselves going through a dry place, teach us, God, to be satisfied without settling, to be grateful for such things as we have already been given. So that when you do bring us into the land flowing with milk and honey, it will not just be about the stuff, but it will be because you are with us. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise for it. 
in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Did I help anybody tonight? Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Um, as we close, as we close, if you joined us uh, online uh, and uh, you just need some resources to help you grow in your walk with the Lord, uh, or if you need someone to pray with you, you'd like to invite Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, uh, we'd like for you to reach out to us by email. Someone from our team will contact you uh, at echurch at weareconverge. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. And then we also want to send you some resources that will help jumpstart your walk with God. Once again, thank you so much uh, for being here uh, with us in person and also for joining us online. Why don't you stand with us? We'll pray and be dismissed. If you're a first-time guest with us, I, be, I believe we have a gift for you at the Connection Center. Uh, our team will be there to greet you, and uh, we want to be a blessing to you. Listen, we know you have options on Saturdays. Uh, so many people are on vacation. You chose to be here tonight. And a promise from God, God's promise to us, is that where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. So the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face, his countenance shine upon you and give you peace as you walk faithfully in his presence. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, and we'll see you next Saturday. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give and the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.